Why don't you turn your Bibles to Proverbs 13? And it is so good to be back in Florida. When I landed in Dayton on Friday at 1030, it was 14 degrees. The high that day was 24. And uh, it's a foot of snow on the ground. And uh, it was just, it didn't take me but about an hour of that to call Florida home. <laughs> E.T. I heard those words, Ken, go home. <laughs> what an E.T., Ken, go home. I'm going to share with you where I think we are in Florida. My, my, I think totally different than most ministers. Most ministers think on a congregational level, they're people, people. I'm totally different, I think, on a state and national level. And I, I view cities as having a soul just like people do. I view our nation as having a soul. Our nation right now has a very sick soul. Florida has had a soul that has been unhealthy. But I want to show you where I believe that Florida is right now. We're going to look here in Proverbs 13, beginning in verse um, 12, where it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I began looking at that, and, and I didn't even get my message till on the, on the airplane on the way here last night. And God began giving me download of what he wanted me to share this morning. That's why you don't have a handout today. And I began seeing how that Florida has been in an unhealthy place. And I use the word has been. It has been very unhealthy in a lot of respects to revival, to awakening, to being who we've been called to be, a forerunner within this nation. Many of us, at some point, including myself, have been so self-focused that we can't see beyond our own horizon. We can't see beyond ourselves. We focus primarily on ourselves and our little three or four in the group and no more. But God has a focus not only on you, but he has a focus on this state. When I came, left Atlanta last night coming here after my connecting flight, which I almost missed, and uh, there was a guy sitting next to me, and he had a, he had a book there, and he said, it said, Mission of God. I said, tell me about your book. And so he began telling me about the book, Mission of God, and I told him about the book I was reading. And I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a missionary to Egypt. And I said, are you successful? Are you bearing fruit? You can be called a missionary somewhere and not bear fruit. And I wouldn't think you're a missionary if you're not bearing fruit. You're just occupying time and space in that country. And he talked for a few minutes. And, and he kind of let me know he didn't want to talk because he was writing a letter to his uh, support group or whoever. But I said to him before he, he began typing again, I said, you know, I'm a missionary too. He said, yeah. He said, where? I said, this nation, the state of Florida. I'm a missionary. I've been called here. You've been called here. Heaven has sent you here. You can even be born and raised in the state of Florida, and heaven has still sent you here. You could have been sent to China. You could have been sent to Russia. You could have been sent to Cuba. You could have been sent to Chile. But the Lord said, I want this person here because I want them to impact the state and the nation that I place them in. Whether you are a believer in China, and maybe we have some Chinese watching today. God has placed you in China or wherever you are to impact that state. Amen. And so I have been looking at Florida for a long time. And I would say that from what I can see in the spirit realm, that Florida is healthier now than she ever has been. We haven't arrived, but we're healthier now than she ever has been. One of the reasons I think that hope gets deferred is because we're not looking in faith. We begin looking outside of faith and we begin looking at circumstances and those kind of things. 
and we get off track, off faith, because it says their hope deferred makes the heart sick. However, Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. See, if you're looking by faith and what God wants to do in this nation, then you're going to be able to weather the storm. And believe me, there's a storm brewing. Rick Joyner has just come out and said, there is a literal civil war that will be fought again in America. Literal. I believe that too. When I heard that, I, well, I won't go there. I just thought about going and buying bullets, but I didn't. <laughs> you have to look in faith at what God wants to do in the nation. You can't just look at the circumstances. You just can't watch TV and watch the news and say there's no hope for America. Because if you start looking at it that way, you, then your hope gets deferred. If the walls of this facility here could talk to you right now, it would tell you about the many times over the 20 or 30 years that hope has been deferred right here in this place. If the walls of your house could talk, they, would talk, they could tell you about the hope that has been deferred. But if these walls are listening now, and the walls of your house are listening now, and the walls of Florida are listening now, then you will begin hearing about the hope that is not deferred, but the hope that is right on the edge of taking place. So it all depends on how you look at it. People look at Trump and they say man he's a terrible president and I just say he's a Jehu he's a wild man called to take out Jezebel in this nation and these tiptoe through the tulip Christians can't stand it because they'd rather make peace with Jezebel than to bring Jezebel down when, when Jehu came to Jezebel's son he said, Zimri is at peace. He said, there will be no peace as long as your whoring mother's alive. I'm paraphrasing what he said. And then we, it did sound good. And then when he got to Jezebel, she said, Zimri is at peace. He answered her not a word. He looked at the fruitless men who have been made eunuchs and fruitless. And he said to them, are you on my side? Throw her down. See, they, they had heard Je, they, uh, that Jehu was coming. Throw her down. Don't make peace with her. You throw her down. She was trying to get Zimri to be peaceful. She had fixed herself up for him, hoping that she could seduce him with her ways. But his eyes and gaze was fixed on the mis mission and the call that God had placed upon him. The Bible says he, he was... And this is where I get he's, that Trump's like him. The Bible says that Jehu drove his chariot like a madman. That's what it says. Trump's driving his chariot like a madman. Is this your mom? Welcome, mom. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. We, we love Noah and... If you stay here, we'll fall in love with you too. We're so glad Noah's back in position. He's been out a commission for about a week, I guess. And so glad he's, they found out there was a virus or something that was attacking his body. And then some of these little weird, good stuff in your body attacked the virus and was dealing with the virus. But then that, all that caused the pain. So I don't, I haven't figured it out yet, but we just, we thank God he's healed. You see, looking in faith keeps your heart aligned with what God says he's going to do. Now, I've been reading a very interesting book by Dr. Carolyn Leaf called Switch On Your Brain. Powerful book. She's a scientist and also a on-fire, spirit-filled believer. The first I'm about two-thirds of the way through. The first two-thirds of it, she correlates and ties science and your brain to the way that you think. And she says in here that 
up to 70% of all diseases is caused by the way that you think. Heart disease, um, diabetes, all of it's caused by the way that you think. It's been real fascinating because she tells, she goes and tells a study that they've done of people who have began applying the Word of God on a daily basis and having introspective thoughts, not of themselves, but of the Word of God, that it begins changing the character of their brain. It begins changing the way your brain functions. She said that when you start getting toxic thoughts in your brain, it spills into your body, and your body begins malfunctioning. I find it very fascinating. I'm about to jump into the 21-day brain detox plan. I'm looking forward to getting into this. Because with all of us, there's probably some toxic stuff that needs to be taken out. See, I'm, I'm, Pam's been trying to get me to drink green smoothies for ever since they've been here. And I went and got one one time. And I brought it here to the church that Sunday morning and showed her I had my green smoothie. Because she told me, she said, if you'll drink this, you will be glowing. And I started drinking that, and I looked at her, I said, I better glow. I better glow. She said it took six months. Six months later, she said one morning, you're glowing. I said, it was that green smoothie, I guess. But she said it cleans out the toxins, and she drinks all kind of stuff in the mornings. I mean, some nasty stuff. But when you start looking in faith and through the Word of God, it keeps your heart aligned and it starts getting rid of the toxins in your system. As I said a while ago, I want you to turn there with me, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. We're going to read this very powerful scripture of how to overcome hope deferred. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the conviction of of things not seen. For by it men of old gain approval. Now I want you to get this right here because these men of old and women gained approval with God because of the faith that they exerted. Not because of their whining, not because of their complaining, not because of their pity parties, not because of the sympathy that they wanted given to them. They gained approval from God because of their faith. Say their faith. Look at somebody and say faith will change your life goes on to say here, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of, what thing, out of things that are visible. I love this because what it's sharing with us there is sharing with us that God, and that word world there, I need to go back. The word world is the word um, eon, not the word cosmos. Cosmos means planet. This is the eon, and it means ages. That the ages that you and I are in right now were framed by the Word of God. I am so glad I am living in the earth right now and not some other time. I, I feel like that I have a destiny on this planet that God's given me. I live my life this way. And, but it says it was framed by the Word of God. That word framed there is a word, Greek word, katartizo. And it means... Yeah, please cut that off. You, you, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've been wanting to do this. I'm going to have a box sitting out there that everybody's going to drop their phone in before they come in. No, I'm not going to be nice. I don't feel like being nice today. <laughs> You, you, I am. I am in the spirit. I'm serious. You go in the Senate up in Washington, D.C., you drop your phone in, the, in a ba uh, basket. You drop your keys in a basket. Anything that has a signal, you drop in a basket. You can, and they're going to keep it. They won't let you in there unless you give up your phone, your keys, and all that kind of stuff. Anything that makes a signal. Anyway, moving right along. 
says that by faith, we know that the worlds, the eons, the ages were framed, catartizo, snapped into place by the word of God. So that means everything, every age was brought into place by God's word. Even when he created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. It says that the spirit of God began brooding over the face of the waters. It's a reproductive term there, that word brooding there. It's, it's not just a word about hovering. It's a picture of a man in relationship with his wife hovering over her. And that's how God was hovering over the earth. And then God did what with the word? He said, let there be light. His word came forth and began creating light. And see, hope deferred can be conquered through you and I saying what God has said. Saying what God has said about Florida. Saying what God has said about our life and about our cities. We're not, we're not in a place right now where we're repenting for all the sins that took place. We've done that. We're in a place right now of saying what God says, the redemptive things that the Lord has said. And when you begin speaking those, it starts accelerating the day of them coming to pass. <clears throat> it's a time to bear fruit if you look with me to Luke chapter 13. Time for Florida to bear fruit. Now, see, I <clears throat> if I'm doing something, I used to, I used to, I wasn't like this. If I'm doing something and it's not bearing fruit, I won't do it very long. Because you're just trying to ride a dead horse, or trying to ride a horse at Walmart. You're not going anywhere. And so I look at, is it bearing fruit? And if it's not bearing fruit, I don't care how religious it is. I don't care if you've been doing it for 30 years. I'll quit it. I'll walk away from it. Because if it hasn't bore fruit in that amount of time, you need to think about whether or not you need to keep doing that. And maybe go find you a horse that you can ride. Or find a tree that's bearing fruit. It says here, I love this scripture here. And he began telling, his, telling this parable. A certain man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. So he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put fertilizer, put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine, but if not, cut it down. Now, I love this right here because he's really getting to the nitty gritty of how you begin changing whether or not a ministry or a church or anything, your life bears fruit. Because this vine dresser said to him, he said, listen, give me one more year with this tree. Give me mercy. Give me one more year, and I'm going to work real hard, and I'm going to plow around this tree. Then I'm going to fertilize this tree. And if it doesn't bear fruit after a year, then we can cut it down. And probably the owner of the vineyard said, yes, I had the same thing happen to Cheryl and I when we lived in Alabama. We built a home there, and we, we, we cleared land that was all trees, a whole acre of land, with a chainsaw and an axe and a pickup truck and fire uh, to burn all the stumps and stuff. It was a hard year or more of work that we did. But we have three full-grown plum tre uh, apple trees on that property. They were there when we bought the property. And two of the trees produce a bountiful harvest every year. We'd have a pickup load, literal pickup load, not no small truck either. One of the, I had a 64 Chevy Stepside pickup truck. Wish I still had that thing. We would fill the entire back of it up with apples until people come and get them. Our twin boys, we, we had a garden every year. We, we, I killed meat. Our twin boys never, they, they do, to this day, do not know what baby food tastes like. 
because we never fed them any. Everything that they were given when they were infants and beyond the formula was out of our garden or off of our plum trees or apple trees. But I had this one tree it never would produce. And so one January, when all the sap has gone back down into the ground, my granddad came down, and he was going to help me prune this tree. Now, so thankful that Cheryl had left and gone shopping. Because we butchered that tree. We cut everything off of it except for the graft. We left some of the main branches. You can't cut off the graft because if you do that, it won't produce anymore. And so I took the, my tiller and I tilled around this thing. And I put 50 pounds of triple eight fertilizer all the way around the edges of this tree. And then I went up to it and I talked to it. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I don't know whether you talk to things or not, but you need to learn how to begin speaking the Word of God over things. So I give you my best. I refine some of my accent. It still comes out when I get excited. But I give you my best southern accent. I said, looky here, tree. I just did to you what the Bible says. I've pruned you. I've tilled around you. I have fertilized you. You don't have to produce any fruit this spring. I wouldn't expect you to do. But the following year, when it's time for the blooms to come on the tree, when it's time for the apples to come on the tree, if you do not bear fruit, I will cut you down. That apple tree heard every word I said. <laughs> because that following year, it bore more fruit than the other two trees put together. This is what Jesus was talking about. And I believe that we're in a place in Florida where Florida is ready to bear more fruit. We don't like going through the pruning process. Jesus talked about the pruning process in John 15. He said, every branch in me that bears fruit, I prune it so it can bear more fruit. Nobody likes to go through the pruning process. That's when the Lord allow, allows all those little things quirks and irritations and anger that's in your life to come to the top so you can cut it off I I had that come to the top not with anybody here but recently on two different occasions Cheryl hasn't seen me this angry in a long time and uh but I had to repent I ha actually had and actually I was right but my anger was not right my anger was off the chain. And uh, you know, you've never seen me angry. You may see me upset, but you've never seen me angry. And only Cheryl has seen that here, thankfully. And you don't ever want to see it, I promise you. I don't turn green. <laughs> but I do get mean. And I, after it was all over, I said, where did this come from? All of a sudden, the Lord let something come to the top that he wanted to deal with me about. Anger, control, trying to control people. That's what this whole thing was about for me, and I know none of you are never like that. And I had to repent, and I actually called when I got to Orlando after, when I was on the train riding from the terminal over to the main building, I called him. I said, my heart is broken over the way I treated you. I ask you to forgive me. And as I said, I was right in what I was doing because they had stepped over some boundaries but I was not right in my anger that I released. And there's times that pruning is necessary for your life. If you look around at how the Lord has pruned us here, I'm grateful for the pruning, although I don't like it when anybody leaves, but I'm grateful for the pruning because He does that so that we will bear more fruit. 
when you when you are planting a garden or farming on tomato plants and other plants, they have what they what's called sucker vines. And there's little stems that will come off the, the tomato plant. If you let them grow and you let that bush get real bushy, it won't produce big tomatoes. So you cut the sucker vines off so that when it go, grows up, it gets big and it gets mature, but it's not bushy. And it makes, to, my granddad used to grow tomatoes that you would cover a slice of bread with and have tomatoes hanging off the side. That's how big they were. He never used commercial fertilizer, never used commercial pesticides. He did everything. It was organic. Everything was, uh, I mean, Pam, you could have lived there. <laughs> but you see, it's time for us to bear fruit. And I feel like the Lord's also been pruning Florida. Florida's been going through a pruning. I'm, I'm not, when somebody, when somebody's pruned any longer, or maybe they're pruned from us corporately, or they're pruned from us individually, I'm not shocked and alarmed anymore. I used to be, and I used to get real upset about it. I still do a little bit, but not like I used to. I would just moan and groan for days when somebody would leave the church, and now I moan and groan for one day, and I say, you know, that's just the way it goes. That's what happens. You know, shift happens. It's time for them to shift. So you have to ask yourself, and I ask this question across Florida because this is the way I see, but you also ask yourself that question here. Who's here and who's not here? Who's here and who's not here? That's important. Because when the Lord is rallying the troops, just like tonight, this whole region knows that Lou Engel's coming here. And so when Lou Engel gets here, I'm going to look in the audience and I'm going to see who's here and who's not here. Because who is here are, are the ones that are ready to bear fruit and they're going to say, let's govern this land. Let's bring awakening revival to Florida and to the nation. Those who sit home, I won't call them heathens, but those who stay home, they're not ready to jump into the battle. And not everybody's ready for the battle. Let me just say that. Everybody, some of them want to rest, and I totally understand rest. Kendall come in my office this morning while I was resting. Had a long day yesterday and got home late last night and didn't get to sleep till about after 11 o'clock. And so he comes in there. I have the light off, and I'm laying down on my couch. And uh, I, he said, I'm going to get a sign up here that says Apostle Resting or something like that, you know. <laughs> I, I, I figured it would be better... To say it this way, apostle dreaming. But it goes on to say that desire when it's fulfilled becomes a tree of life. When the Lord begins showing me this, I begin seeing something totally different. I, I was no longer seeing the hope deferred. I begin seeing a tree of life in this place. I begin seeing a tree of life in Florida. I'm not talking about, I'm not saying I hope so words. These are things I actually see right now in the spirit in this house and in the house of Florida that a tree of life is, is growing right now in this land. And when you get to studying the tree of life, there's a lot of good things to study about it. And we've talked about this over the last year, about this time last year, that, the, that there were two trees in the garden. There were the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which represented independence from God. Then there was a tree of life that represented dependence on God. I feel like right now there's a tree of life that's growing in the state of Florida. That when you look in Revelation, it bears fruit every month. It gives off fruit. I am starting to see fruit right now in this state. Every month that rolls around. I am, and, and I am not seeing barrenness. I'm not seeing a wasteland. People, I hear all the time, 2018 was the worst year of my life. It wasn't for me. It was a good year. If it was the worst year, are you thinking properly? Maybe you need to read this book, Detoxing Your Brain on a 21-Day Detox. Green smoothie for the brain. 
I feel like that we're moving into harvest. I feel like that a tree of life has come into Florida that is literally beginning to bloom every day. And I'll share this with you, and I actually was going to make this my last point, but I'm going to make this my first point now because of what happened during our consecration. The day, in the three days of our consecration from January 9th through the 12th, on the 10th here, something phenomenal took place, and on the 10th in West Palm Beach, something phenomenal took place. Chuck Pierce, he and I talked about this at lunch yesterday. Chuck Pierce was in West Palm Beach, and you know that snake that he saw go up through Florida? He said it turned into a spine. And he said, Florida now has a backbone. And so I said to him yesterday, I said, Chuck, did I tell you about the angel visitation I had when you were in West Palm Beach? Same night, probably the same time you saw this. He said, no. I said, when we had the Florida flag up here and people were holding four corners and they were passing through and being baptized in the forerunner mantle, I was visited by what I know to be the Prince Supreme Angel of the Lord over Florida. Alicia saw me. I was wrecked, wasn't I? I could not compose myself. I was so wrecked. I'm starting to get that way a little bit now. I knew him. My spirit immediately began communicating with him. He was blue in color. Not all angels are white. Some of them are purple. Some of them are silver. Some of them are gold. Some of them are white. And I knew him to be an ancient angel. That he had been in Florida. He was not an angel for this house. He had been in Florida for many, 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 many generations. And I was just undone. I kind of like Isaiah in, in the sixth chapter where he says, I'm, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And then this angel said something to me that really took me over the edge. He said to me, I have been waiting for my people to arrive. It was as if though Florida had not been in the place that she needed to be in. But now as we had met for the three days of consecration, something shifted in Florida. Something shifted in me. Something shifted in the life of this house. Something shifted across this state as people were being baptized. And this angel says, this prince angel over Florida says to me, he says, I've been waiting for my people to arise. As if though Florida had not been where she needed to be, but bam, now she's where I, I need her. Now I can begin working with the people of Florida. At the same time, Chuck has this vision of the, of the snake in Florida becoming the spine and the backbone of Florida. There was a huge shift that took place. You see, we have angels on assignment right now. They're on assignment. They're working with us. I have felt them. I haven't seen them. I have felt them several times since I've been up here. When I brought the shepherd's rod out a while ago, these angels surrounded me. And then Friday night in Ohio, the moment that the first song starts, I must have a dozen angels surround me. These were governmental angels. They were white in color. And these governmental angels surrounded me. And lo and behold, if there wasn't a representative to the Ohio House of Representatives that was there. Her name was Candace. And she has introduced a heartbeat bill this year into the House. It had been introduced before and was passed by the House and the Senate in Ohio, but Kasich never would sign it into law. The governor, he was the governor at the time. Thank God he's gone. And so she comes up and tells the story, and she says, we, I, I have 47 sponsors, but I have to have 49 in order for this bill to even go to the floor. And Florida here, I don't think you have to have two. So she's telling the story. And Tim looks over at me, Tim Sheets, the pastor there. And he sees these governmental angels around me. So he brings Barbara Yoder and myself up to pray over this lady. And Barbara begins praying and prophesying to her. And, and when it's my turn, these governmental angels, all of a sudden, they begin empowering me. 
I started prophesying and praying over her. And I started saying, help is on the way. And, I, and it was forceful. I was saying, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. And I decree that by Monday, you will have the support that you need. And I thought to myself, did I just say that? Because <laughs> I've taught in prophetic classes, do not do dates. Dates or mates or flakes or anything like that, you know. And then I prayed some more, and then I said again, I decree by Monday you'll have the support. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. When I go back to my seat, I'm saying, oh, my Lord. I can't believe I did this. And then yesterday, my Dutch and I and Chuck and his team are having lunch in the airport. Dutch gets a text from Tim. She got three supporters added on. Saturday morning so now the bill can go to the floor these angels are on assignment then then yesterday after yesterday just before noon uh, Dutch and Chuck were doing their plowing tour that they're doing and so Dutch had gotten up and told his story and we're going to do one in June in Tallahassee uh, you remember the dates Thirteen through fifteen, June thirteen through fifteen, and so he brought a bunch of us up to pray, and all the prayers were good. But when I got up to pray, these plowing angels—I'd never seen them before—plowing angels whose hands are to the plow—came up beside me. Their, their, their tour they're doing is called "It's a Time to Plow." They came up beside me. I started seeing these things. I said, I decree the plowing angels go to Azusa Street. I commissioned the plowing angels to Topeka, Kansas. I commissioned the plowing angels to Cane Ridge Meeting House in Kentucky. I, I, I ascend the plowing angels into Florida in Jesus' name. And as I was saying that, I saw these plowing angels begin leaving that place and going to the place where they were sent. Woo! See, if you, would, if you would just kind of get beside yourself a little bit and start sending angels out instead of trying to do all this stuff yourself, I want to say that again. If you would just get beside yourself and start sending some angels out to work in your behalf and to work with your prayers, all of a sudden you're going to see things too. I, I didn't see an angel until the, the 90s. I saw an angel in 1993 in a dream. Two of them came to me in a dream to transition me across time, and I don't have time to go into the whole dream. But 14 years later, on October 24th, 19, uh, 2007, these angels appeared to me just like I'm looking at you in our congregation. I was blown away. But the very first time I saw one was in a hospital in Winter Haven, and I had gone to pray for Pat Alecknowitz because they said she was going to die. And God had given me word that do not believe that report, that it was the wrong report. I mean, the family was planning her funeral. And so I called the family together, and I said, you believe the wrong report. She's not going to die, but she's going to live and decree the works of the Lord. And so I prayed over her, and all of a sudden, her health began to turn around. But as I was at her ICU bed that day, I'll never forget, this is the first time I saw one like I'm looking at you. An angel stood at the head of her bed. And this same angel I saw every single day for two years. There were days, I'm a pickup truck guy. There were days that he would ride in the back of my pickup truck, just like this with his hands on top, about 12 foot tall, letting the wind blow in his hair as I went down the road. Now, I know that's, I know that's not religious, and some of you are going to have a hard time with that because you're religious. But if you'll break that religion off of you, you can start seeing things. Praise God. Well, this is on the edge, isn't it? Angels are on the Simon. This is an, here's another thing I see taking place in Florida, taking place here. We're moving out of a church mindset and into a kingdom mindset. For years, you heard the message from the pulpits across America. It's about the local church, the local church, the local church, the local church. There's nowhere you'll find in the Bible the mention of local church. 
And what they're saying is, is that you've got to be involved in your local church. I say differently, you are the church. Whether you're here or whether you're in Walmart, you are the ecclesia. And you can rule here, you can also rule in Walmart. But it's about the kingdom. It's not about you, but about the kingdom. I did a whole teaching on the kingdom last year. You can go, I guess you can order the CDs from the church there and get it. Maybe archived on my YouTube channel, I don't know. But even when Jesus spoke in Matthew 16, verses uh, 18 and 19, he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will have no ability to prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Those two verses of scripture are in context of the kingdom, not in context of the church. He's saying there, my church will have the authority to bind and loose. My ecclesia will have the authority to bind and loose, allow things in the earth and not allow things in the earth. They will have the authority to do that. So it's more about kingdom, not about you. It's more about kingdom, not about the local church. We are a congregation, but we're not a local church. We are the church, but we're not a local church. Does that make sense? I, I, I've been telling pastors for years, because a lot of them don't like it, I say, listen, the home church is just as viable a church as yours is. And I say, no, it's not. I said, why? Because it's not in an organized, I said, forget your organized thing. You know, when you, when you look in the Bible, they didn't have a local church that they attended. They're, they met in homes. They would meet corporately out by the river somewhere. Or on a field somewhere, they'd meet in the synagogue and get kicked out, you know, and stuff like that, and, or get crucified, uh, like Jesus did. But they didn't have a building like and, and I'm not against this, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that we've got a wrong focus. These kind of buildings didn't come into play until Constantine became emperor, king, or whatever he was. And he shifted it from the home setting into a structured setting. The reason he did that was so he can control it. So it wouldn't be an ecclesia, it would be a curiacon. Okay. <laughs> you just got to love Cheryl. <laughs> Where you see the word in Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I will build my church. That word church should not even be there. It is the Greek word kuriakon, the word church is. What should be there, and it actually states this in the, in the Passion Translation. What should be there is legislative assembly. But King James didn't want any government but his own. And so he put that kuriakon word in there, church. And it's not a bad thing. It just means belonging to the Lord. It's not a bad thing. So, but when you start looking at really who we are as an ecclesia, we have been called to govern within the land. We've been called to legislate in Florida. I believe that we're moving also into a season. I've got to move quickly here. Where God is unlocking miracles. Miracles are beginning to be unlocked. Last week when I was in Savannah, a lot of you hope, know Hope DRC. And uh, her and her husband was there, and her husband's son was there, Hope's son, uh, uh, stepson. And he has Huntington, Huntington disease. I did not even know what kind of disease it was. I've heard of it. And uh, there's so many diseases that start with an H. But I went and looked it up, and it's where your brain deteriorates. Your brain cells deteriorate. Kind of will look kind of like Alzheimer's in a way. But... It deteriorates, and first, you start forgetting things. Second, you start losing your speech. Third, you start losing coordination. And the next thing, you can't do anything. Everybody's got to help you. person who has this usually dies within 15 years of being diagnosed, from what I've read about it. He comes up there. They bring his son up there, and he's standing there in front of me, and I have him tell me what's going on with him. He tells me. And so I start praying for him. And I felt no, I felt faith, but I didn't feel any great authority or great bolt of light come down out of heaven or anything like that. 
And this guy does not go to church. What, what I'm about to tell you happened to him has never happened to him before. I finished praying for him. And I said, look at me. And he looks up. He says, his eyes glaze over. He says, I'm feeling. And out he goes. And he falls into his dad's arms. And he's just laying there. He, he tries to look up at me, but he can't even raise his head up to look at me. Because he's so, so under the power of God as God is working on this maybe 30-year-old guy. This was passed down from his mother. And, uh, and I literally believe, I gave him my handkerchief. And I said, I want you to cut this thing up, keep it on you at all times, pin a piece to your body, you know, put it in your bed, put it in your, under your uh, bed sheet, put it in your pillowcase. I'm believing God for you to totally recover. And I believe that he, I believe that he is recovering. I believe a miracle is happening. I forget his name. Was it Brian? <clears throat> I believe a total miracle is happening. But when you see somebody that has never fallen out in the spirit before, and, they, and I mean, you, you know me, I'm not a pushing preacher. I don't push people down. As a matter of fact, I don't even let it happen here. Once I find out you're a pushy preacher, you probably won't get invited back. And... Uh, <clears throat> But when you see something like that fall down and slain in the spirit, you know God is working on this guy. We're moving into a day and time of acceleration. <coughs> and let, me get, let me go back just a little bit. We're getting ready here this year, sometime this year, I don't know when, we're going to launch healing rooms out of this place right here. We have people that are, a bunch of us, actually right now the numbers are up to 27, that have their plane ticket, they have their hotel room, and we're going to Spokane, Washington to be trained in the healing rooms. I don't need training in how to heal the sick because I've been doing that for years, but what I do need training in is how to operate healing rooms. And so we're going to learn how to operate healing rooms here and have people, maybe we'll have healing rooms every day of the week. Maybe people will be able to come here to be healed. Maybe we'll advertise in the newspaper to say the healing rooms of Florida. I don't want to call it the healing rooms of Satellite Beach. I, I want to call it healing rooms of Florida. I don't know if they're going to let me do that, but I'm going to really push for it. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. I like that. And uh, maybe we'll have these things open all the time. If you want to go, you can come. It's going to cost you about a grand to go there and back. You know, and stay there from the 7th through the 10th. Uh, there's so many people going from here that won't be here on Sunday. Uh, you know, we just go to breakfast. Y'all just go to breakfast or something. <laughs> but we're going to have healers in this house. Not, not only are we going to have healers, we're going to send them out like Jesus did in Matthew 10. We're going to send them out to the hospitals. We're going to send them out to the houses. If, if you ever really want to get into healing the sick, find somebody that's got a terminal illness, and you go and start praying for them and don't quit until they're healed. Even if you don't see it the first time, you just keep on after it. Keep on doing it. Keep on going for it. Keep on going. Just like me, I've seen cancers healed. I've seen people delivered of cancers. I've seen backs healed. I've seen broken limbs healed twice. One, a broken ankle healed and delivered another one a broken compound fracture in this bone right here protruding out healed in just an instant but I've never seen a blind eye healed I prayed for blind eyes but I've never seen one heal that doesn't mean I'm not because I'm going to swing the bat every time I get in front of a blind eye and at some point my prayers are going to connect with heaven and this person will have a brand new eye in their head in Jesus name <clears throat> we're in such a day of acceleration now I want to read to you Amos chapter 9 verse 13 through 15 I'm going to read it to you out of the um, message Bible it's a very good word here because we're talking about where God's taken Florida and taken us and he says here in Amos 9, verses 13 through 15. He said, yes, indeed, it won't be long now. You got it up there. Oh, awesome. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. 
one thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Not curses. Blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I will make everything right again for my people, Israel. But I, he, he's talking about us too. Listen, it won't be long now. Are you hearing this? It won't be long now. Things are going to happen so fast your head is going to swim. It's going to be one thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. I was, I can't tell you the story because I don't think you could receive it. But I was telling Dutch Saturday about the blessings in mine and Cheryl's life since we aligned with him. And I don't want to go into detail with it. We are, we are so blessed beyond what we were 20 years ago. I've been in alignment with Dutch 18, uh, 19 years this March. See, alignment is everything. But alignment is covenant relationship. It's not acquaintance. It's not being part of a network. That's not alignment. You're just aligned with a network. Cheryl and I are in alignment. Covenant alignment. That's the kind of alignment I'm talking about. Dutch and I got aligned that way, and when that happened to us, everything about my life began changing. And June 1st, 2008, I left the church I had been in for 20 years. I left a paid vacation. I left a salary. I left all of that to launch out into the ministry. I left sons and daughters to launch out into the apostolic ministry. I've been in the ministry for 24 years at that point. Only to have my life go from this up and down, up and down to this. And it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped climbing. I'm still amazed at what God's doing. I'm humbled. I'm amazed. I wept in front of Dutch yesterday telling this story. And he, he looked at me. He started weeping. He said, that is so awesome. And it is. When you get properly aligned, everything about your life begins shifting and changing. Your finances will change. Mine and Cheryl's did. Our finances changed. I mean, the moment we stepped out of that church, I started making more money than I did when I had two jobs. Church and another job. Because alignment is everything. You get a line proper and everything about your life begins taking off. Woo, that's a good word. You just guys just need to quit shift on down here. Let me tell you something. I'm telling you and I'm telling everybody else here too. If money is an issue, you never will do what God's called you to do. You listen to me. I'm saying that to everybody here. If money is an issue, you never will do what God has called you to do. You can't make money an issue. I was telling Danielle the other day, she, I wanted, she wanted to go to the healing rooms. And, I, and the Lord, Lord spoke to me and said, I want her to go to healing rooms. And so, where is she? There she is, hiding behind Tangie. <laughs> I called her up. and she t I said, you going to be able to go? She says, no, I don't think I'm going to go. And I think that we hung up and I called you back. And I said, we need to rethink this. Because I know that the Lord wants you to go. Because we just don't need old folks in this healing room. We need some people who say, old men dream dreams. She's having visions. We need the visionaries. And she said, Okay. And as she's rethinking this, and the Lord's recalibrating her thinking, recalibrating her. I told her, I said, when God gives you a mission, you have to fight for it. Otherwise, the devil will see to it that you don't get to where you need to be. You have to fight for it. 
God can speak to you. I've seen this happen dozens of times. God can speak to you and tell you to do something. And before it's time to do it, because you don't have the money, you'll say, I guess I didn't hear from the Lord. No, you didn't fight for it. Well, if the Lord wanted me to go, he would supply the money. No, sometimes you have to work for it. Sometimes you have to fight for it. I've learned how to be a fighter over finances for years. Dutch called me before he did the turnaround conference in Washington, D.C., in the Trump Hotel. The conference room itself cost him $80,000. Not only did he get it at a discounted rate because he had to guarantee 325 rooms to get it at $80,000. And he calls me and he says to me, he says, should I do this? Now, see, this is beyond most of our thinking. He says, should I do this? Because I'm one, I'm, he calls me from time to time for counsel. And I'm on his board. He says, should I do this? But he had a word from Cindy that on 222, he was to be in Washington, D.C. He had a word from Chuck that he was to do a meeting in Washington, D.C. This hotel was the only hotel in Washington, D.C. that would have him in. The rest of them were run by liberals, and they knew who Dutch Sheets was, and they wouldn't let him do anything there. That's true. Might as well have the MAGA hat on. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, Dutch, I said, if you look at all the prophetic words, you're saying. Now, listen, the rooms were at a discounted rate, but they were $375 a room a night. Originally, you know, $1,700. Don't think poverty. Don't think poverty. If you start coming here, one of the things, if we hear you say, I can't afford it, we will kindly and politely correct you. Because those are words of a poverty spirit. When you say, I can't afford it. Cheryl and I looked at the price of that. And I said, the price of those rooms. I said, I'm going. I don't care. I'm staying at the Trump Hotel. I'm doing this for the nation. Royalty. Thank you. I'm doing this for the nation. I'm doing this for the Lord. I could have gone across the river into Virginia, got some sweet tea. You can't get sweet tea in Washington, D.C. Got some sweet tea and stayed at a $200 room night over there in, in Virginia. And, and, you know, it had been just the right room, but I wouldn't have been where God wanted me to be. If money's an issue, you never will do what God's called you to. And I'm going to hurry up real here, real quick here. Another thing that the Lord is doing in Florida, he's doing in our lives, he's doing in this house, he's streamlining us. He gave us that word beginning of the year to remove the drag. We're in a season of streamlining our lives, our churches, our ministries, etc. We have to be able to move quickly without interruption and drag. Momentum into a new wineskin is a must for this year. We're streamlining. Even Brian is on a, he's, he's driving his chariot like a madman now. Getting this house streamlined. He's a great, great administrator. Getting it streamlined into where we're moving quickly and moving fast. Acts 3.21. Remove there real, go there real quickly and I'm going to bring this to one of my many closings. There's so much happening right now. It's just un- unbelievable. All the things that are happening. It takes you to Acts 3 to show you what's happening, what's happening. Beginning in verse 19, but we're going to focus on 21. But I want you to get the, the picture of what he's saying here. Verse 19, repent therefore and return. He's saying there that word repent. We taught this the other day. That it means move into a new wineskin. Because it means change the way that you think. Repent therefore and and. Return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing 
may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you. Verse 21. This, this is a powerful here. Whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. This is a powerful word here. That word restoration there is the word apokatasteso in the Greek. And it literally means to reconstitute. And God, when he made this earth, he gave us a constitution. This Bible here. And what he is doing right now, everything that's been spoken by the prophets, he's reconstituting that in the church today. This is why you see apostles today. This is why you see prophets today. They're rising up everywhere. You don't don't just hear about apostles here. You get out into the streams we're running in, and apostles and prophets are everywhere. Everywhere. See, he's restoring that. It's the reconstituting. He's now reconstituting angels into the earth. We're beginning to see them. We're beginning to work with them, just like they did in the book of Acts. He's reconstituting signs and wonders and miracles and healings today. He's bringing that constitution where it says in his constitution, by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. He's reconstituting that in the earth so that we begin seeing the fruit of that. He's reconstituting Joel, the second chapter, where we start seeing people saved by the thousands, millions, getting saved. I fully believe that we're going to see a harvest of millions across this entire globe, our entire planet that we live in, and we're going to see thousands healed and saved. I'm going to stop right there because I don't want to go any further.